So just a real quick to those that are online, um, your channel didn't change just because this guy's up here in a, in a running outfit. It's okay, just sit back down and grab your coffee. It's okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna run anywhere. <clears throat> a story kind of starts out that uh, uh, I'm wearing this because I've been on a journey and we're all gonna go on a journey this morning and I wanna take you on that journey uh, kind of with me. And so the journey starts like when I started running probably 10, 12 years ago, something like that, uh, there was a running program called Run for God that kind of came, came up. So originally, you know, when I thought about running, it's like if I'm running after a ball, like chasing a soccer ball or basketball or something like that, I would be okay. But just to go out running, like that's just plain dumb. That's like, 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 like that's stupid, right? My granddaughter's over going there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, so what I found was that I found this running program that was a 5K 3.1 miles, for those of you who don't know. So it's a, run, a, five, a 5K that basically teaches you how to run a 5K in 12 weeks. So it's just a progress that you go through to be able to run, run 5K. And so there was, uh, associated with it was a, a faith component of that. And we all know that in our running, it's up and down and up and down. You know, some days we have good days, some days we have bad days. And the same thing in our faith, right? We have up days and down days. And so through this, it was able to take us to a 5K in 12 weeks. So then I started running uh, a, a 10K, which would be 6.2 miles. And then a little bit later, I started running a few uh, marath or half marathons. So, I, so that's 3.1 miles. It's quite a ways. But by the end of the 3.1 miles, I like, all right, my legs are done. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going any further. Until I ran into my neighbor was across the street, and he was a Boston qualifier. And to qualify for Boston, you have to be, like, really fast. I was not that fast. And uh, so basically he said, you know what? All you need to do, slow down one minute a mile. Like, ah, it just made sense to me. Like, you know what? If I slow down one minute a mile, I can actually go a longer distance and a further distance. So I did. So that's where I started training and, uh, and started uh, going into being ready to train for, uh, for a marathon. And I'm going to share a little bit about that, that later. Um, this morning, we are going to talk about what it means to go God speed. Usually when you hear God speed, it's like you're taking off really fast, you know? But I really say it as God's speed. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because we are on a long haul. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time that we get to spend in your house, uh, in, in the presence right here with you. Thank you for the team that has, has led us this morning, that has allowed us to be ready to hear and to be prepared to, to hear from your word. Father, would you, would you prick our hearts? Would we know what you are saying to us? Would we take it to our hearts and would we move and act on that? So Father, we give you thanks for what you're going to do this morning, uh, the things that you're going to teach us, the things that you are going to encourage us to do uh, because we listened and we wanted to be here with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you guys got the email this week. There was a little video clip in there. I don't know if anybody was able to watch the little video clip. It was about 30, 30, 30 minutes long, something like that. And uh, anyhow, basically what it was, was there was a guy that was studying uh, to be a pastor. And so he's in seminary. So going through seminary, they actually send him over to Scotland to kind of work underneath another pastor. And so he was, he was kind of the understudy to this pastor. So he's the assistant guy. So he gets to the, to the church where he's at and, and he, he's talking to the pastor and he's like, okay, so, so like, where's my office? And he's like, office. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, office. So he's like, oh, maybe wrong question. Um, so where's your office? And he's like, office. He says, you see the street? 
That's your office. Go get in the community. Go into your parish, if you will. In Scotland, parish is your town, your city. We always think of the church as being our parish, right? I mean, any of those come from, from Catholic background, it's the, the parish was my, my church, right? But no, your parish is out there. Even in, in, um, even in Scotland, or in, not in Scotland, in, um, oh, what is it? In Louisiana, I guess it is. I think it's in Louisiana. That their counties are actually parishes. And it's like, huh. So we have a parish that is out there that we need to be a part of. So what I'm going to do today, we're going to go on this journey. We're going to go through 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. We're going through the first four, 14 verses, so you can kind of get, get ready for that. It'll be up on the, on the board too. But what we're going to do, we're going to separate you guys into the four areas that we're going to travel to. So you guys that are online, you guys are Gilgal, okay? And so we're going to go from Gilgal. We're going to actually go over to your section over here. You guys are going to be Bethel. Okay, you guys are Bethel. And then we're going to go from Bethel, we're going to go to Jericho. That's going to be you guys right in the middle here. And we're going to end up over at the Jordan. Okay, so you guys kind of know your, know your parts, know where you're at. The people that are going to be with you, you're going to be traveling this journey uh, with each other. So we're going to start out in Gilgal. That's up there. And so we're talking about uh, Elijah and Elisha. And so a little backstory of their relationship. So Elijah goes to Elisha and actually calls him. So so Elijah is the prophet, and Elisha is kind of wants, or is going to be this understudy. And so Elijah is actually calling him to come to be with him and to lead him and to help him to understand what it means to be a prophet. And so that's what those people would do is just study underneath the, the existing prophet that was there. So that's where he was called to do that. So when he's called by Elijah, he says, hey, hang on one second. He says, I, I got to go do something first. So what he does, he, Elisha is a farmer, a farmer. So he goes back and he's got a couple of oxen and he's got this yoke and, and uh, the tilling thing and all that kind of stuff. And so basically what he does, he's, he's like, I'm, I need to get rid of this stuff. So he goes back and he actually kills the oxen, cuts them all up into pieces, takes the yoke and the till, tilling piece, whatever that thing is, is that he's using to till soil because it had to be really, really hard. He cuts all that up, all this wood stuff, starts a fire with that, takes the oxen, puts them on the fire and sacrifices it and said, I'm not going back to that. Like, I'm done. That's a part of my past. He's like, I am following Elijah, and I'm going to follow you close. So just remember that as we're, as we're going through this, that, that Elijah was the prophet. Elisha's coming underneath him and saying, man, I'm going to be close to you. I want to learn from you. I want to follow everything that you got. And I'm going to take it in and be that next prophet. So he's, he wants to learn and understand from him. So he's following, following Elijah in this and just saying, laying that all aside and let's go forward. So when we think about um, Elijah, Elijah was actually a prophet and of, of a number of parishes, if you will. Okay, so going from Gilgal, Bethel, he's got people that are there that are underneath him. He's got Jericho, people that are underneath him, and they're going to go over to Jordan. And you can kind of think of that as his parish. Like this is a large area that were kind of underneath him in this parish that he has, that he is, he is overseeing. So when we go into 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, so we already know that he's, Elijah knows that today's going to be the day, all right? Today's going to be the day that God is, God is going to take me home. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, again, coming from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. 
But Elijah said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So we're talking about Gilgal. So let's go, go to Gilgal. We're coming from Gilgal. When I think of Gilgal, I think about the steps of remembrance. Okay? So Gilgal, the Joshua's leading the Israelites, crosses over Jordan. The first place that they stay is Gilgal. And what does he do there? He, gets, he tells the tribes, hey, go grab a stone and we're going to build an altar to God here. It's a, basically a remembrance of what God did for us in his faithfulness, bringing us out of slavery and bringing us into the promised land, which he, it was the promised land. That's what he, he promised he was going to give to us. And so he set these stones, stones of remembrance here. And this, so when your sons and your daughters come up to you and say, what's the deal? I mean, how many times when you're going, you're going for a hike and, you see, and you're going on a walk and you see all these little stones you know, stacked on top of each other? That's kind of what, the, what this was. They stacked these stones on it for, for remembrance so that the kids would come back and say, tell me about this. What happened? And to be able to share the story of God's faithfulness, bringing them through the desert and onto the promised land. And so being able to share with them generation after generation after generation. And... So, so they're able to share, share that with, with everybody there. You know, the, when you think about Hope Church, what did Hope Church start on? It was prayer, wasn't it? I know you ones that are in the, in the congregation here, maybe online, that were some of those people that started. It all started with prayer. I mean, I, I wasn't here right at the beginning, but shortly thereafter, and, and the stories that I heard over and over, it's like the stones of remembrance. That's what I heard over and over. It was prayer. It was always prayer that kept Hope Church moving and going and striving for that next place to be. And so we want to remember with these stones, remember it's coming from a Gilgal where we started and what that meant and the prayer that was, that was there uh, with us. <clears throat> so they went down to Bethel and the sons and the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elijah and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So I think about Bethel. So we're going from Gilgal. We've already traveled now. We're going to Bethel over here. When I think about Bethel, I think about uh, the house of God. If you think about the house of God, it's where the ark had been. It's where Abraham had built an altar. It's where uh, the story of Jacob's ladder, where the angels were going up and down from heaven to earth. And all these places that think about uh, or talk about the presence of God being there. And so this desire to be God. You guys have desired to be here this morning. You guys online have desired to be here in the house of God. It's that desire that takes place that allows us to call a Bethel a house of God. And the place we wanted to be, the place that we wanted to get to, the place that we desired uh, to be there. And then when it talks about uh, the sons of the prophets, it's not really the literal sons of the prophets. They weren't like in direct bloodline or anything, but sons of the prophets were those that were studying underneath. It was actually what they call a prophetic guild, I guess you would call it. And so they were real, the, the ones that were studying underneath uh, the prophet. And so Elijah being the prophet and uh, Elisha coming kind of underneath that, he would have been part of that prophetic guild. So again, going from Gilgal over to Bethel. Now, now there's the sons of the prophets that are over here that are following after Elijah also. And so the, the prophets were ones that, you know what? They were going to get called, they were going to get elected, get, get called by God to study under. And what they wanted to do at some point is there was somebody that was going to be the next prophet. And so 
Elijah is on this path right now, on this journey that God's going to take him home. And who's going to be the next one that's going to follow after him? Who's going to take on the spirit of the prophet to lead into this next generation? And so Elisha is basically saying here, like, like um, yeah, I'm not going to leave you. And so he says that, you know, today your, your, your master is going to be taken. And then they say that, you know, yeah, I know. Like, would you be quiet? Like, I don't even want to talk about it because he's going to be gone. And that's going to be a sad day for me because I want him here. I want to be with him. I desire to be with him all the time because he's got such good information for me to learn and to understand and to follow after. Like, man, just shut up. I don't want to talk about it. But you can also think of Elijah on his side. And, and so Elisha's telling him, hey, you know what? Let him be. Like, he knows what's going to happen today. Let him alone. Like he knows what's happening. So let him be and let him rest in that. And so I find it kind of interesting that, that God says, says to uh, Elijah, like, hey, I'm, you know what? Your next stop is going to be Bethel. So, you know, Elijah's mind, like, is this the place? Right? I don't know. So then going on through uh, verses 4 and 5, Elijah says to uh, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. You know, and so, so he continues to tell Elisha, like, hey, man, you know what? Stay here. I don't want you to see me gone. I don't want you to see me taken up. You know, I mean, we know kind of sometimes in those last days, like, I don't want you to see this. I want to protect you from this. And that's kind of what, what I, I picture uh, Elijah saying to Elisha here is like, stay here. I need to go on to Jericho. So now Elijah's also thinking like, okay, so Bethel wasn't it. So is it Jericho? We're going to go to Jericho? Maybe it's, maybe it's there. But then Elisha says, says back to him, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I'm not going to leave your side. I want to be there to see when you get taken. Like, I want to be with you. I want to see your whole life. I want to see it expanded out. I want to see that. So they came to Jericho. And when I think about, about Jericho, I think about this, this place I call it kind of the watch and see place. Okay, so we're, so we're going to Jericho. They had come from actually, uh, you think about Joshua, and they were, they were at uh, uh, Gilgal and going into where Jericho was. And so Jericho, when you think about the, the Israelites, passing into the promised land, now they come up against some opposition. Like, we're always going to come up against opposition, right? So their opposition was Jericho. And God says, watch and see what I'm going to do. And so he tells, gives them the instructions, right? And so it's march around, march around the city. Say nothing. And then do it again the next day. And say nothing. Until it's that seventh day and they walk around seven times. They shout and, and do the trumpets and all that kind of stuff and the walls fall down. Was there anything they did? It was their obedience, right? To do what God had told them to do. But at the same time, the walls came down and they got to see God move, which I think is really cool. Think about it with Hope Church also. Have, been, have there been times where we've run into that Jericho and God says, hey, watch me, just watch me. I got this. And we went, oh, what are we getting into? But to be obedient and to go through it and to see what God would do, that's been amazing. To see him take us through the things that, some of the stuff that we've been through, 
to see this congregation still together and moving forward in that, to see that we're still effective in our parish that's out there. You know, when, when we think about our parish, our parish has always been the city of Brunswick, right? When we first got started, there was 50,000, I think it was, that were unchurched in the city of Brunswick. And so that's our parish. It's Brunswick, it's Strongsville, it's Columbia, it's Medina. Like these are the places that are our parish. And we have an influence over that. I think it's pretty exciting that God has called us to be that type of Elisha right where we're at. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him once again, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you? And he answered, yeah, I know. Shut up. I just heard that. I don't want to hear it again. Would you please be quiet? Then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. So now we've been to Gilgal, been to Bethel, been to Jericho. Now we're moving over to the Jordan. And again, he tells him, hey man, stay here. You don't really want to see this. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I'm not leaving. So you're just going to have to put up with me. Okay, maybe he didn't say that. Um, so, the, so the two of them went on. And now what I find interesting is that 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood some distance from them. So Elijah's like, dude, I got your arm and we're walking. Like I'm with you. And the 50 are going, I'll go here. We'll stay here and, and watch from here. I'll watch at a distance. I want to see what's going on, but I'm not quite sure I want to be all the way involved in what's going to go on over there. And so what I consider the, the Jordan to be is, is like this handoff. It's really this handoff that Elijah is going to give to Elisha and say, hey, I'm going to hand this off to you. And that's where, where they're kind of going over to the Jordan and doing that. It's a place where God has kept his promises, thinking about coming through the promised land and crossing through the Jordan. They had to actually, you know, take their step with the Ark of the Covenant in there first before the waters parted. It wasn't, hey, let's just wait and see what's going to happen and, you know, see what... No, it was, let's step in first and then see what's going to happen. And God shows up and he moves and takes, takes them across on, on dry land. You think about Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. When I think about, about baptizing, my, baptizing, I think about this, this we always call it, that this, there's this death and being raised back to life, right? And so there's this death that happens and it passes on and gets passed on to a raisin to new life which is just an amazing thought when you think about that. It's this passing of a baton of death to life in that. I consider Elijah to be that guy that's going to pass it on to Elisha and do the same thing for him. He's getting ready to hand something off to him. And so, so the 50 stay back. He goes on. So when they had crossed, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, or wait, hang on, let me go, let me go back up here to the, to uh, the next part of that. Um, and they were both standing, standing on the Jordan. And then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them could go over on dry land. So now they're on the other side of the Jordan by themselves. And they're still taking a little bit of a walk. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, 
You know, he wasn't going to tell him to stay there anymore because he's already with him. And he stayed this whole time. And basically, he asked him a question. He says, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. And the reason he said he asked a hard thing is because Elijah couldn't give his spirit to him. God is the one that's going to give him the spirit. God is going to be the one that will transfer and make the Passover to him and make the handoff that's there. And so it was a hard, what, what Elijah was saying is like, man, it, that's something that I can't do for you, buddy. So, so here's what you need to do. If, if you're going to get this passed on to you, he's basically telling him, if, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And so he was basically saying that, hey, just keep watching. And when you see me go, that spirit will be passed on to you. And as, as they w still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. This is the moment he had waited for, but it wasn't the moment he really thought it was probably going to be. It's like on one side, he was excited to see his master go be with the Lord, but on the other side, it's like, man, I miss you. Man, I need you. I want you. And then also to know that because he saw him go, that spirit of God had rested on him and came to him also. So what a whirlwind of emotions. Sorry to use the whirlwind. That's kind of what he went up in. But this, this whole you know, idea of all these emotions that he must have been going through uh, to see his master be taken from him and that, and that he wouldn't see him anymore. And so it's just a, you know, it's kind of a hard thing for him. When I think about Hope Church and some of the memories that we've had here and some of the people uh, that we've had around us as those saints that have been around us, I think of uh, at my, my old church, there were some saints that I, that I was thinking of this week of, of a, uh, a Jim and Rosalie Root House. That was a guy that, I played basketball with, and he was 72 years old, and he would whiz the ball past my ear every time, and there's no way I could guard him. Um, a Paul and Helen Keezer, where Helen would sit next to Paul and say, give him the little nudge, like, hey, wake up, dude. <laughs> Just this, these sweet couples that we think of, this Drexel and Belva Smith, I think of a Dick Michael and a Don Swoboda, those that have, that have gone before us. I'm sure you can think of others that have gone before us that have passed on some of that mantle, some of that heritage, some of, some of, some of their spirit has bled over into us. And how sweet that is that we can take that and continue to move forward with, with that. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Just, did he, did he fall on me? Did he fall here? And when he had struck the water, 
the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Can you imagine the 50 that went so far and saw that happen? He said, man, he's got it. Like it fell on him. Like that's pretty cool to know that he was coming back to take over the prophet's position, that these guys would still be now under Elisha. If we follow Christ, we've been given that same spirit. We are an Elisha. We have that same spirit. We are an Elisha. We are an Elisha for our parish, for our community. I want to go back to where I started about running a, a, a marathon. And there was a lady that I was training with. It was going to be her first marathon, my first marathon. And, uh, and there was a lot, it's a lot of training. There's a lot of hours that you put into that. So we get to the starting, starting gate and we're lined up. We're going to run together and the gun goes off and she like, poof, and she's gone. And she takes off. I'm like, hey, like, wait for me. And so I'm running her pace at the beginning of this race. And it's like five miles in and, 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 I, and I'm going, man, I can't keep this up. Like, this is not the pace I trained at. Like, I can't, I can't keep this up. So she's, hey, I'm going to have to run. I'm going to stop at the bathroom. Like, okay, you go ahead and do that, you know? So I just kept on going. But of course, I, after that, I'm like, I'm slowing down. Like, I need to go my pace and really slow down and figure out what that is for me to be able to finish the race. So, you know, about two miles before the end of the race, she catches up with me. And she just keeps on going. So she finished ahead of me a few minutes. She ended up qualifying for Boston, which was pretty amazing in her, in her own right. That, that's pretty cool. I was not that fast. And uh, so, um, but I say that just that we always need to remember that we need to go our pace. We need to go at God's pace. And so when, I, when you think about God's speed, and when you think about God's speed, you know, a lot of times you go, hey, God's speed, you know, and you just like go, like just go, you know. But when I think of it, I call it more, it's more like, I want to go God's speed. I don't want to run ahead of him. I don't want to run behind him. I want to go with him. And I want to be a part of where he's going and what he's going to do. And so that's what I think of, you know, in my parish uh, of, of going God's speed. There was, there was a time uh, in my parish, I'm going to say it's about three years ago, there was a guy that, that had called me and said, hey, I am a new fatherhood director at a, at a pregnancy center in Pennsylvania, and, and, and I don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know what to do, where to get started, or how to, how to get started in that. So with us, we had our fatherhood uh, program ourselves. So I gave him all the information I had, um, just helped him along his path to understand what does it mean to be a fatherhood minister in a pregnancy center. And so really passing on to him what all that meant. At one point, we have uh, men in what we call men in the center because there aren't a whole lot of guys in the center. So we have to invite other guys to come in from other centers and stuff and kind of get together so we can feed off of one another. Um, because, yeah, because... Yeah, we just need our guy time. And uh, so invited him. He comes all the way from Pennsylvania and drives in just to get fed and to find out like, like hey, I, I need to know like how to do this. Can I feed off of you guys? So I really considered us to be like this, almost like this Elijah that we were, that we were passing this on to an Elisha kind of under us. About two weeks ago, I found out that uh, this guy was, so CareNet, which is an uh, overarching uh, 
equipping ministry to pregnancy centers, I found out about two weeks ago that this guy had interviewed and sought after a, a, a job position as a fatherhood uh, family coordinator. He got the job. Like, what a blessing that was for me as an Elijah to send out an Elisha to see where he got to be and what he's going to do now. Over thousands of pregnancy centers. There are 1,100 pregnancy centers under Karenet. Like, what a blessing that is for him to be leading those now. And for me to say that, man, I had a part in launching something like that. And you know what? We, we have that opportunity here. We have that opportunity right here. In our parish, in our church, you guys are those Elishas. So when I think about passing the baton, there was a post that I just looked at on Facebook. Um, it was like from 2012, which I don't know how, I even, how it even came up. But it's in a family uh, group that we were in. And, and this, is, this is what I had written in that. My mom's, my mom's side is kind of my, my, my faith heritage background. And, uh, and so this kind of comes from, from that group of people. What I truly think is best about being from the Lock of Flying, my mom's mother's side, is the Christian heritage so evident in it. What a blessing to have grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles who prayed for us. And now we pass it on to the next generations. May God find us faithful in passing the baton. When I saw Sean last week walk up with a baton, I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> come on. But I'm going to use the same thing because it just, it just works well, is that we are always working to pass the baton. James 5.17 says, this is Elijah. It says this of Elijah. Elijah was a man even as we are. You know, when I think about Jim, Jim, would you, would you come on up here? When I think about Jim, Jim, Jim is, is, is a, like an Elijah to us. He is passing on something, you know, over these last number of years, and he is continuing to pass this on to us and to help us to run the race, and he is passing on this baton. I'm going to hand this to you. And, you know, last, last week when, when Sean was talking, he was like, you know, you're running and you're passing this baton, but what I really see is that when we're going Godspeed, we are like this next to each other. We are walking next to each other on this path. This is God's speed. It may be a little bit faster than some others. It may be a little bit slower than others. But this is really what God's speed is. And so when the Elisha would pass on the baton, or the Elijah would pass on the baton to the Elisha, like we want to take this and run. Jim, thank you so much for, pass, for being that Elijah to us and to pass on what you have uh, done for us. We just so appreciate that. And I want to take this baton, and, and this is our baton. This is Hope Church's baton that we get to pass on because the Spirit of God rests on us, and he has allowed us to be the next Elisha and to pass this on and change our parish.